Hello, this is Patrick, and it's time for Real Herbalism Radio. Real herbs, real life, real easy. Brought to you by thepracticalherbalist.com and sponsored by Mountain Rose Herbs, your source for high-quality, organic, bulk herbs, gourmet spices, loose-leaf teas, essential oils, herbal extracts, and natural body care ingredients. Visit them at mountainroseherbs.com. Show number eight, natural approaches to flea control. Although flea season may be at its end for this year, fleas are still among us. In today's show, we'll be discussing natural approaches to flea control using herbs and homesteading practices. Now, here are your hosts from thepracticalherbalist.com, Candace Hunter and Sue Sierra Lupe. Sue, flea season's near over, and yet I'm still thinking about fleas. How about you? I don't miss them at all, but I know they're coming back. I know they're coming back, and it's time to prepare. This is the time to get ready. And previous to my current dog, I had an older dog. Flea season didn't really end for us. We usually struggled with it well into the winter. It was indoor-outdoor dog. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, she she went outside, but she was older, and so fleas were a real challenge for her. Mm -hmm. She was one of those dogs that had one single flea bite, and she she would be itching all over as if she'd been bitten by a thousand. Yeah. And it lasted, so... Did you see a whole bunch of fleas on her? Or she was just reacting? Really. She reacted really yeah. strongly. So I would see, like, a flea or two maybe once a week mm-hmm. and do my best to get them out of there. Right. But... Yeah. I have a cat that is a purebred cat. We, we don't do that kind of thing. This is a rescued cat. Right. And he is allergic to vapor in the air or <laughs> the passing of a new planet or just something, anything. He just, he, and he will tear holes in him. He will, yeah. he, it looks like I need to knit him a pair of pants. Yeah. He just takes all his fur off and we're Starts. flea combing him and doing everything, but yeah. it doesn't matter. The slightest hint of the flea season and he, he just, he's a mess. And, and he's kind of a nervous wreck, you know, right. he's genetically a little bit damaged there, I'm sure. And he's, yeah. he is dumber than a box of hammers. Sweet cat. <laughs> Sweet cat. Right. Sweet cat. But boy, he is, he's a sensitive flower, I can tell you. So, so what is it that you do to help him out? What's your favorite? Uh, therapy. No, we, yeah. uh, <laughs> we, well, we've been more successful some seasons than others. And part of that I know is that the fleas are evolving. They change a yeah. little bit every year and, and they have really short life cycles. So they can evolve much faster than we can keep up with them. I used to right. use just regular flea baths and, and the combing and, and it was fine. You know, right. when I was growing up, we would use those horrible flea collars that would probably make your teeth fall out and you'd grow antenna or something but that was fine and that's not adequate anymore I don't think they even sell those things maybe they do I'm not sure if they do or not I'm not shopping for them no definitely not yeah if I'm not putting it in my mouth I'm not putting it around their their neck where they're chewing it because they'd always get it off their neck they'd always get it off their neck yes and chew on the little ends of it and oh god yeah little boogers so yeah with this guy Every year we'd have to change it a chi- tiny little bit, and I developed that Gamera's Flea Control Essential right. Oil Blend, which is on our website, yep. uh, by the way. On because the of him. Yeah. website. And there's a picture of him sitting there with his brother and looking fat and sassy and happy with the world, and um, God knows if he's thinking any thoughts, but it doesn't matter. We would put that on the back of his neck and then vigorously flea comb him, which he loved as well. And unfortunately, we also had to do the, the flea baths, yeah. Which he did not like. I imagine, and, yeah. You know, and that's when he would try his surgical techniques, 
he tried to open our veins and different things like that. And I didn't realize he wanted to be a doctor someday, but <laughs> we learned. It was horrible because it's just this gray, gray, looks like a wadded up paper towel oh, when he's wet. It was thing, so yeah. sad. And he's crying piteously. Oh. The other cats will come in and look with their giant eyes knowing the doom is coming, but some they might, they're compelled to help their friend. Right. It's just a tragic, it's tragic. Yeah. Aaron's wearing oven mitts with a big apron ready to take the cat and wrap him in a towel. Oh, <laughs> that that was a YouTube video. That was a YouTube should have been, video. <laughs> should have been made. It was crazy. But we put we put herbs in the bath water. Right. You know, not only the calendula to help with the healing of the existing flea bites, but you know, we'd put in a couple of other different kinds of herbs. Um, I would actually put a like a dash of pennyroyal essential oil, and I know that's not recommended for cats but it's just a dash in you know several gallons of water right and as long as he's not ingesting it you're probably safe yeah 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 no it's his, the head, ingesting. Well, his head is not above his head is above water he's and he's letting us know anytime his head would ever go below water then the screaming would stop and i know that never stopped yeah yeah so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's not gonna take time to lick in the midst no. of the bath oh my goodness no. the poor little guy but yeah we would we'd have the um herbal bath and um, there, there was peppermint was in there as well, um, with the calendula and some eucalyptus was in there, as I recall. And um, I, I'm gonna just have to say the other items later on in the show as my brain clicks in. Maybe the <laughs> coffee here will invigorate some aging brain cells. Uh, and yet, it was the real thing. It was just combing him constantly, combing him. Yeah, that's the big deal. And keeping the place vacuumed. Right. And keeping everything just clean and, and making sure that there's no places for them to hide. Because what I've read is 90% of the fleas are in the house. Yeah. They're 10% on the critter, 90% are in the right. house or outside in the yard. Right. Yeah. Yeah, we've had, I mean, we have, rather than fabric couches, we have leather couches mm -hmm. because fleas don't stick as well in leather as they right. do in the fabric so sure. you know you still have to vacuum the insides out regularly but at least you know it's not the entire couch you're constantly vacuuming right we have hardwood flooring with no carpets and very few area rugs yeah because of the fleas that, yeah. you know when our girl was here with us and we had flea problems with her trying to get a basset hound to sit long enough so, i mean they have long bodies mm -hmm. that's a lot of combing right it, it takes a long time and it we really i didn't get them combed out and they don't well. enjoy that You're... no no so that's the difference between cats no. and, and dogs is cats well my cats at least love the combing they yeah. love the attention now if i had feral cats running around <laughs> yeah no forget it yeah my dog even my current dog jasper he he thinks that combing time is bite and growl time so really? he, so he's growling at that comb and he's trying to bite it and it's a hoot wow <laughs> so, being attacked yes and he's i mean he gets the the teeth and everything wow. i mean full on he's letting that comb know it doesn't belong there yeah. and he's at the same time wagging his tail i'm not worried i'm gonna get hurt mm -hmm. but it's really hard to get you know all that body combed yeah it's just not happening yeah. i know that and any mats, I mean, those fleas will grow in those little mats. One of yes. our cats is long-haired, Nero, yeah. at him, and he'll just get these mats of, of clumps of fur because yeah. he's rolling around. And that's one of the things they do, just like my chickens, they roll in the dust, and that's their flea bath, and, 
and the cats roll in the dust and that's part of their own natural flea control right. and of course they have to roll in the dust and then come in the house to spread the love oh it's awesome adorable i mean nero is so bad he he has come in the house and there are red wigglers Red Wrigglers, you know, from oh, the, the compost. The, oh, geez, the worms. There's yeah, worms the on worms. him. All right. I mean, that's... Gotta he, love that. What a gentleman. So, yeah, maybe that's why the chickens love him. I don't know. They're like, oh, he's a walking snack bar. I don't know yeah. why that is, but um, the chickens kind of keep things... They, they're scratching up the soil all the time, and yeah. and I'm sure that they, they certainly help with other forms of pest control because there are yeah. critters... This is not science here... But there are critters that live in the front of my yard where the chickens are not allowed that do not live in the backyard, even though it's the same plants. Right, right, yeah. You know, and the fence is the line. Right. So it's not like the it's critters the are like, oh, I can't go past that fence. Look at yeah. that. That's chain link. That means no. No, it's just the chickens. Yeah, chickens, they eat an amazing number of insects. They do. So. Yeah. They're excellent flea control. Right yeah, there. yeah. And yeah. they don't get fleas themselves yeah. for the yeah. most part. I, and you were saying something about body temperature? About that? Yeah, I've, I've noticed, uh, and I think I read somewhere some time ago, but the fleas, at least the fleas for my dogs, they prefer the warmer bodies. Dogs have a higher body temperature. Mm-hmm. So for the most part, family members don't tend to get flea bites, even when we've got you know, a decent number of them in the house. Right. My son was more, most likely to get them when he was younger. And when he was younger, I mean, he had a, he was slept hot all the time. Middle right. of winter, he was like throwing the covers off because he was too hot. So did he get flea so bites? He did occasionally get flea bites, usually around his ankles or legs. Right, um, right. Because they're coming up from the carpet or what. Yeah. I mean. And Patrick's gotten them on his legs a couple of times as well. Yeah. I haven't so far. I'm, you know, cold-hearted, so. Right. Oh, yes. <laughs> so, yes. <laughs> so, cold-blooded, cold-blooded lizard-like here. <laughs> well, there's a myth going around that there's uh, cat fleas don't bite humans. Yeah. And that's not I'm true. Not sure that, yeah, that, that seems false true. to me. Yeah, there's, I was just reading about this, that there is two types of well there's more than one two types of fleas but the fleas that you find commonly in the home are either quote-unquote dog fleas or cat fleas most of the time it's just what are called cat fleas although they'll bite they're usually on dogs or you know they'll bite anything they'll bite mammals that's what they do right uncommonly you run into the other species which is considered the the quote-unquote dog flea but i don't know where they got those names but it doesn't mean they only bite one type of critter yeah, I imagine they'll like bite animals. anything that's got good blood. Yeah, you know? and it, in with wildlife, it's a type of flea uh, that will bite pigs and and humans, but it's it, you see it more often in wildlife. You're not right. seeing that inside of the house. Right. I imagine you know pig farmers might have to deal with that. Right. But the yeah. rest of us urbanites, not so much so. Yeah. And Perhaps this, if you have a potbelly pig. Oh yes, know, that's true. They Those would, are considered. Be a challenge for them. Yeah. And I know with essential oils that you have to really watch it with cats. Yeah, you need to be aware there's a, a specific chemical. Is it called limonene? L-I-M-O-N-E-N-E. Is that how you say that? Limonene? Sure, yeah. I don't have a hard time with those science-y words. If you but... say it funny, you say it's my accent. That's a Minnesota accent. Yeah, right. there you go. But I know that one's one that's really important. That one you have to be careful with your amphibians and fish. And the limonene is in, like, bitter orange is mm-hmm. one of the essential oils that's really good for flea control. Limonene is the main chemical in there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also in herbs like dill, fennel, mullein, feverfew, 
um, Canadian fleabane, which is also oh, called yeah. horse weed. Yeah, and it is really good against fleas. Right, and all of those those is, uh, herbs that have that essential oil in there have that limonene in them. Mm-hmm. Um, they paralyze the fleas. And then you can easily pull them out. And then you can pull them out and get rid of them. Right. So, like, the things that I've read, which I have not, I have to admit, I haven't personally tried it, but what I've read is that it's good to make a um, wash with, like, chrysanthemum flowers. Mm -hmm. You know, anything from that species as well, like oxeye daisy. Right, or feverfew. Feverfew. So you make a wash with those, a rinse with those, with, like, a strong tea, essentially. Well, there's the pyrethrin in the chrysanthemum genus. Yeah. Right. I don't know. Yeah, if it's that's all oh, that's right. Yeah, that one's the yeah. one that 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 paralyzes them. Yeah. And so anyway, you make a wash with them, and then make sure you soak your animal real good, but don't towel him or her off mm-hmm. away from your house, and mm-hmm. then comb them out, like out. I don't know at the local park. I'm not sure where you go to do this, but <laughs> so a neighbor you don't like, or, exactly. Yeah. Hose them off mm-hmm. and, and comb out the the fleas that have then been paralyzed. Yeah, how it's, can you do that with a cat? Because you put essential right. oil on them and they are gone. Yeah, and no, honestly, they're writing I mean, you out of their will. It yeah, just, that's it. You yeah, can't, I can't. I, I'm not I'll sure. Let them forgive me, and then I'll stop combing them. Yeah, that's that's, okay, that's the part I, I've read about doing that, but I've never done it because you know my dog right now he's 80 pounds of puppy. Right. How the heck am I going to keep that dog under control? in somebody else's yard. I mean, I live mm-hmm. in the city. Right. You yeah. know, it's not like I can just walk down the road to the local pond. Right. There's a yeah, passenger truck right there yeah. for proof in case you were exactly. wondering about it. Yeah. Exactly. So, but yeah, those are supposed to be really good, though, for those herbs for getting rid of the fleas. Yeah, and I see some stuff saying claiming rosemary is really good for taking care of fleas. I'm not sure about that because I've seen so much conflict about it. I've seen conflict about lavender. You can't give lavender or rosemary to cats anyway. No. So that's one of the reasons I haven't personally pursued it that much. No, and really when they're adding lavender or rosemary to formulas for flea control, what they're doing is adding the antibacterial, antifungal, anti-itching, relax the over mm-hmm. the animal Anti- overall. Yeah. Calming the irritation. Calming the irritation, reducing the inflammation. It's about treating the flea bites that are already there, not getting rid of the fleas. Whereas, like, the bitter orange and the limonene, Mm -hmm. that's for getting rid of the fleas. It's not for treating the animal. Yeah. So And upping the the immune system of the critter that you're treating as well. I've dusted my cats with echinacea powder before yeah that helps them out and then if they're licking that off that's okay right and i've also i've also get we had dogs in the past and we gave them garlic and we gave them brewer's yeast i mean you see that in pet food stores all the time yeah there's debate on brewer's yeast whether or not it really works Mm -hmm. if your dog a lot of dogs a large percentage of dogs are allergic to it but if your dog can tolerate it Mm -hmm. what the hell why not yeah my cats will eat it oh and fish oil yeah. You know, that's just good for their skin. Yeah. I think, you know, you keep working on the cats and the dogs and helping with the flea control, but those critters are just going to be there. You right. Know, you can't live in a sanitized, sterile, we don't live in a lab, nor right. should we. Right. That's not healthy either. Right. You know, I, I, for a long time, kept my cats indoors, and it was I was really tight about that, and we lived by a busy road, so there were many reasons for that, but I wouldn't do that to a critter. Yeah. You know, that right. just seems mean so right. you know my little old lady cat goes on the front porch sits right. on her basket or sits 
you know, on the porch and looks at the traffic and gets angry at them. And, right. you know, she's one of those get off my lawn kind of cats. <laughs> and she's old. She's 17. You know? you know, she can be angry if she likes it. She can be crabby. Yeah, That's she's good fun. at it. She's good at it. But That's she fun. gets, she doesn't have that much problem with fleas. Right. Whereas the cat that has stayed indoors most of his life, the, the yeah. um, you know, the living scab that I was telling you about, yeah. he's mostly indoors but he just he's got every problems. tiny little i'm sure she brings it in and out with her probably yeah well on my dogs they rarely had flea problems until they got to be older mm-hmm. and i mean i i added things we have we my current dog too he gets a little bit of garlic in every meal not a right. lot you, you want to be careful with dogs because garlic will cause them to vomit and it, it can upset them oh we don't want that so you got to be really careful but yeah. i mean the amount that he gets is maybe as much as an eighth of a teaspoon of fresh garlic mm-hmm. per meal. Right. You know, per day. Compared to so, whatever everything else you've eaten. Right, right. Yeah. So it's not a ton, but it's a little bit, you know, just to help fortify his system. Yeah. Um, it helps with bacterial, making sure there's no bacterial infections or that sort of thing. Yeah. And we give him uh, burdock and dandelion in his food and my older dogs they got hawthorn dandelion burdock and red clover with every meal really fortifying them yeah adaptogen that exactly kind of stuff. licorice yeah. is something that's easy to give to pets which is a good yep. adaptogen yeah um, i put uh, homeopathic remedies in there my cat's water before to help with fleas yeah before and i got nominal results right you know i'm not necessarily sold on it but it could be user error (laughs) (laughs) well and getting them to drink it i mean there's four cats they have to take it yeah yeah yeah. so yeah homeopathics and and flower essences can be really helpful especially Mm -hmm. when you have dogs who are like in transition or who are overreacting to the fleas like cherry plum flower essence is really good for helping dogs who are having dogs or cats who are having an excessive reaction and acting like obsessively like scratching to the Mm -hmm. point like like your your cat might very well actually do well with some cherry plum flower essence Mm -hmm. and you can put it in his water or you can just take a single drop of it and you know rub it on any of his exposed skin yeah and that can help shift his energy to calm him so that yeah he still has the flea bites and it still itches but he's not as ridiculously uptight about it Mm -hmm. he can endure it better yeah i've noticed apis which is a homeopathic Mm -hmm. one single pellet yeah, you know, I've, I've given that to a cat that just started on this licking jig. He's yeah, just lick, 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 and and you know, he's just like he can't break the habit or something. Even though he's clean and he doesn't seem to have any swelling, nothing, no right. show, sign of irritation. He's just this is what I do at night to keep the humans awake. Yay! Yes. What an idea. <laughs> so I've given him that, and then the yeah. the licking. Yeah, significantly. Yeah, that crabapple flower essence also is a good one for the same problem behavior, Mm -hmm. the excessive licking, Mm -hmm. which I know drives a lot of people nuts. Oh, man. Our older basset hound that we used to have, she drove the family nuts. I didn't mind. I didn't mind, but everybody else hated that. I can't stand it. And my cats didn't do it until they they hit the seven-year mark. Right. Once they got over seven, then they just decided to get new new little behaviors yeah, <laughs> yeah. so yeah you you, the those. cat is like oh i'm 
completely covered in my own saliva, I should just get on someone's lap right now. Yeah, that would be great. I'm going to get such a reaction. I really get a big reaction. And they do. They get an awesome reaction. Lots of squiggling and like, I I don't want to touch. Somebody take this thing up. No, I'm not touching it. Yeah. Yeah. It's exciting for them. Uh, uh, We can plant things in our backyard. Right. To help with flea control, and now's the time to start. Everybody redesigns start their garden in the winter. Yes, so, yes, part of your planning process. Yeah. Bee balm is bee a good balm. one that so is beautiful. often not. It used to be used heavily during mm-hmm. the Middle Ages. It's not used as as often by herbalists, but it grows so well, and it actually is a really good flea repellent. It's gorgeous. Those bright red flowers, and yep. it's easy. It's it's in the Mint Valley, so it's easy to grow. Yep. Uh, again, the rosemary and lavender, garlic is really easy to grow. Yep. Uh, sweet woodruff, any any of those mints, really, those are excellent. Definitely, oxeye daisy or any of the chrysanthemum flowers would be yeah. good ones to have because you can then pick those during the flea season, make your tea, douse mm-hmm. your pet. Yeah, you know, I grow. I I got one plant of agrimony, and now of course yes. because it's so resilient, it's like all over the yard, which is okay. It's a it's an easy plant to uproot to when I don't want it. Now it's got these giant burrs that come. You know, I'm out there gardening, and then I start to go in the house, <laughs> and I realize oh, I'm covered in agrimony. Porcupine, <laughs> lovely. But they're yeah, they really stick on you, and and those are good for insect control i put bags mm-hmm. of the leaves in my closet to keep uh, the moths out for sure yeah. but that's a that's a good that, like you good can't give cedar is is fabulous for dog beds right or for you can't give it to chickens or you know birds but you can and we have cedar trees in this area all yes, over the place we do we do so that's a fabulous thing to have but yeah. you have to be careful and cats that's a little too much for cats right i add thuya cedar oil to my mm-hmm. in my dryer i usually will like grab a sock and i've got an essential oil blend for the flea control season which includes lavender orange um, tea tree and thuya are you putting and that a, with a vinegar base no, I when my put my clothing in the dryer, I pull yeah. out like a sock. Usually oh, is right what I use, or or if it's you know if I don't want to get if I don't want to take the chance that the essential oil won't will leave a stain because once in a while they will. Uh-huh. Normally they don't, but yeah. well, some are a little more oily rag. than others. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I see that in tea tree oil. Right, so I'll put a couple drops, usually three to four drops, and then throw that in. Mm-hmm. All the laundry comes out with just a faint smell of the essential oil, mm-hmm. so it's not very strong. But I'll do that when I do the dog beds, any of the house linens, mm-hmm. you know, pretty much everything gets the flea control treatment. Another one of the t- couple of plants that would be really good to include in your yard would be both yarrow and thyme, not mm-hmm. specifically for insecticidal control, but when your animals have existing problems with fleas, yes. you know, the yarrow helps to draw crappy, crappy stuff out and prevent infection, mm-hmm. as does the thyme. Good wound control. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm completely sold also on bay. Bay's oh, just yeah. really good Bay antiseptic. I mean, yeah. I've, I've been washing, put it in my mop water. It's just got a nice, warm, spicy antiseptic. It's good for wounds. You know, it's good for a whole bunch of stuff. That's one of my brand new this year. That's one of those leaves, too, that even if you're buying the grocery store bay in an area that doesn't grow doesn't bay, it. Uh-huh. it still works. Yeah, it know? does. Yeah, it you really know, holds it in those really essential works. oils. Yeah. You know, even the ones that look kind of gray looking, I've been meaning to throw it out. I'm like, ah, I can throw it in mop water, and there's still it that does. smell. There's yeah. still that smell. Yeah, it's one of the things I love about bay. Yeah. 
And I've got a bay, a California bay laurel that grows mm -hmm. right outside of my house, right in between the fence lines. Yeah, and it, it nice. saved it saved itself because it grew right in between the fence line. Nice. Because otherwise, <laughs> be like, oh, that's kind of a weedy tree, and and oh. I would have taken it out, but it saved its own life. No, you better not take that out because you're my source. <laughs> you're my current local source. Yeah. Myrtle is another one that grows out here in the Pacific Northwest. That's a very close relative of bay, mm -hmm. and that one does well for treating antiseptic. You know, yeah. similar. Yeah, and it's, the bay will keep the bugs out. We get these Indian yeah. meal moths, and I will throw those into, like, we buy things in bulk. You know, when right. I say bulk, huge bulk, like like right. what you guys do, I have a five-gallon bucket full of pinto beans and, rice and, and yeah. the rice and the whole the whole right. nine yards of flour. And so we just throw the bay leaves in there, yep. and it's, it's fantastic. And, and it doesn't, like, change the flavor of whatever it's in when you're throwing them in there so yeah well we're not gourmet so we don't notice it anyway well if you're throwing bay leaves in dry in a bucket you know five of gallon dry. Dry, dry rice yeah, it's yeah. not going to change alter the rice's flavor so it, it works out really well yeah and sometimes I'll, I'll, i don't even know how long that bay leaf has been in there so i'll pull it out throw it in whatever i'm cooking with put in a brand new one and yeah. there we go you yeah know, there's just and it does a fantastic job of keeping those critters out yeah i it's love really the bay amazing. tree yeah but it, it's yeah. a good, it's a good safe. You can have that around. It, it's kid safe, little kid safe. Yeah. You yeah. know, I've got a, a five-year-old grandkid that goes running around my place once in a while, and <laughs> she's just, she, her brain is on fire, you know, and you just never know what she's gonna grab, and that's, I gotta, that's a good safe I, one, you know, yeah. <laughs> you know, sometimes like, oh. That herb should not be there. Look, that shouldn't be in your mouth, dear. Let me give you let's something different. Some, let's try a different herb today. Yeah. <laughs> let's try something tasty. So, but she's that's safe. So this winter, as you're wrapping up your flea season, make mm -hmm. sure you take extra time to refortify your animal's body with good, you know, nutritive mm -hmm. and other good herbs. Right. Make sure you take time to do the flea things and comb those fleas right. out Vacuum really well. Things, Vacuum the things. Maybe anti-flea anti powder in your like diatomaceous earth or something like that on your carpets and then vacuum it back up again. Right. Yep. Yep. I'll put uh, lavender on my couch because I don't necessarily want the cats crouching on the couch all the time and let it sit a little bit and vacuum it back up. And yep. No. Yeah. So yeah. And I know when they start sitting on that couch of mine that it's time to add more lavender. Oh yeah, definitely they, they, right they, there. Yeah. Yeah. Forget the leather couch. Just test. cover it with lavender. Cover Although that won't work with your dogs. So. No. Unfortunately, I, I dogs aren't that dogs. picky. They'll just sit there anyway. That's there right. aren't too many essential oils that will chase them away for long. Yeah. So they'll Tea tree, even? Because that's hardcore. Oh, he'll run off until I don't look like I'm going to put it on him. And oh, then he'll okay. be back. Yeah. <laughs> you know, as long as it's not going on him, yeah. he doesn't care. Yeah, tea tree is definitely not cat safe. And no. way I've worked with tea tree a lot, and it's barely no. Sue safe. It's just like, oh, I think I no, am a do, giant flea. You I do need to be am. careful with tea tree, yeah. Especially yeah. with small animals. Yep. So... Well, let's wrap it up then. Okay. Well, thank you for talking about this fabulous hoppy subject of probably scratching yourself after yeah. we're done with it. <laughs> no, because I'm going to take all the steps we discussed. Oh, what a good herbalist you are. <laughs> for more information, go to realherbalismradio.com, and you can look at our show notes on this show for links and other information. You can also go 
find recipes and suggestions mentioned on today's show at practicalherbalist.com. Now it's time for herbalism and homesteading news. I wanted to talk today about gray water and the drought and all that um, on the what is it called the Natural Resources Defense Council down in LA mm-hmm. has recently they they have a new press release that just came out entitled "Severe Drought Triggers Aggressive Response from Los Angeles Mayor." Um, and they have a secondary blog uh, um, article that I really found helpful in understanding the questions around gray water and what LA is trying to do. Mm-hmm. And the blog was entitled, Can We Make LA Gray Water Ready? It's by Tracy Quinn. <clears throat> and I'm interested in talking about this whole question of gray water because I, I saw a picture in the article that was done by Mother Earth News showing water being plumbed coming out from your washing machine and going to water your apple trees. Right. And I wanted to talk about, you know, is that even viable? Because to me that seems scary. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what do you guys think? Yeah. Well, as far as a way to save water, um, I don't think there's an argument that you can make that would say that you shouldn't do something like this. I think the argument really comes down to whether or not you use gray water in plants and trees that you are going to eat the product from. So whether it's apples or cucumbers or uh, potatoes, whatever it is, are you, you, know, you going to irrigate you know, vegetation that you're going to consume. And I would think that would go equally for your herbs. So like your birch trees or your walnut trees or your bay leaf trees, wouldn't it? I mean, I would think that if you could just, you would write down the hard, fast rule that if I'm going to consume it or somebody I know is going to consume it, I'm not going to use this water. And some people might say, well, there's nothing in, you know, it's innocuous. There's nothing in it. But based on the stuff that we were reading today in, um, in our articles and some of the research we were doing, that's not that's not true. There are um, heavy doses of drugs in a lot of our uh, treated water. There's hormones. There's other things that are in there. Plus, you know, if you don't take the precautions to you know not use fabric softener, for instance, in your washer, right? You know, you you, you start watering your lawn or your your garden with that. Well, that you're putting that product in the garden. Right. Yeah. The know. technical term is the PP. CPs, which is the pharmaceutical and personal care products, and the term that the scientists like throwing around a lot are contaminants of emerging concern, and mm-hmm. that's where all the the pharmaceuticals that we're throwing into our bodies and all the stuff we're putting on top of our bodies, the shampoos and like you're saying, laundry detergents, things that you wouldn't cook your food with, the Febreze and yeah. the Glade and. You're, you All know, you're boiling pasta. You better put some shampoo in that. That'll bubble up real nice. You know, you're not, <laughs> yeah. not going to do that because it's, it's toxic. Right. Which is one of the reasons why on the Practical Herbalist site we have a whole bunch of different recipes for alternatives to those kind of un, unpleasant cleaning products that are the, the, the emerging contaminants of emerging concern. And the reason why there are contaminants of emerging concern is because there's so many more of us. And we have decades and decades of using these toxins. And so they're in, there's, it used to be trace amounts. Now it's not trace amounts. It's right. large amounts. Right. They're not going away. They're increasing. You know, we've got birth control hormones in our water. and do we? Right. There's a lot of that that isn't even really documented in the city water reports. Yeah. Because they know. don't have those tests out for it. They're not, they, 
they didn't have a history of having to test for because there wasn't enough. Of, there hasn't been a lot of public demand either for documenting that information. Mm -hmm. I mean, well, if you're concerned about it, I mean, you, you think about you know, we're mentioning just a few, but the National Institute of Medicine and the National Institute of Health have reported that uh, um, products contain over 2,500 chemicals in 5,000 products. And it's assumed that many, if not most of these chemicals, um, will occur in your gray water. Right. Yeah, they flow <laughs> through. Do you, how do you stop that? You, know? yeah, you just have to stop using the products. Right. And, That's and, the only answer. Right. <laughs> right. And, and um, if everyone remembers the, uh, the first Batman movie where they had to all stop using their beauty products and everything and by the you know the second week everyone looked terribly ugly and they were all yeah. sallow and you know pimply and so you know so it's like you know, it stop you isn't it and you're gonna look like that so you know finding that natural way to take care of yourself um, God yeah. forbid the people of Gotham start eating vegetables, right? <laughs> yeah. Twinkie and steak—that's what I'm eating all day. Yeah. Well, it does speak to the culture shift that we, as a country, not just in our drought or drought put areas like LA, who are facing drought, but everywhere, we really need to be thinking about, you know, what are we using? Mm -hmm. How is that affecting the people, the environment? You know, our neighbors. Yeah. You know, I it mean, comes down to what can we do? Well, we can do quite a bit because we have done a lot and now it's time to make a different decision. We pretty much as Americans acted like the spoiled children. We get whatever we want, we can use whatever we want. Nobody says no because we're the we're we're the biggest multi-power and we've got a lot of money. We can pollute the water, doesn't matter. We can dam up the water, doesn't matter. No, right. we can ship out any kind of toxic chemicals in our food that we give to other countries. Nobody calls us out on it. Well, right. those days are over. It's time right. to take personal responsibility and be adults. Yeah, it's kind of, I think, Mother Nature. Ourselves. Mother yeah. Nature's calling us out on it with the droughts. Yeah, and, we and, don't have the water to waste anymore. Well, yeah. going on with what Sue is saying, which is more more um, militant than I would take it. <laughs> I but, am the occupier. What? But, but what, what I would say I would say to that, yeah. it's, it becomes that NIMBY, you know, not in my backyard. Yeah. We don't know where our water comes from. Mm -hmm. We don't know where our water goes. Mm -hmm. We are not responsible for it other than when we use it and we purchase it and, and we use to dispose of it. And that's it. You know, we're not living with the consequences of having a, a pool or a drainage or even, most of us even a septic system. Mm -hmm. that we have to deal with. I mean, it's down the drain and out of sight, out of mind. Right. right. And so many countries in the world don't have that. I mean, you know, their drain is out the door or just in a pipe that goes into the yard. I mean, it's just... Right. It's, we have this expectation that everything in here is going to be healthy and we're okay and everything's fine. Right. Because it's out of sight, out of mind. Yeah. Right. And India, you just throw the water out, you know, onto out the street. The right. And it, it just goes drains. right into the Ganges River. And, right and into the thing. And that's right. why the Ganges River is so polluted. Right. Yes, one of the so main reasons. we're there now. Yeah. You know, we are there right now. The, the study that I'm looking at here from that environmental science and technology, treated wastewater irrigation, uptake of pharmaceutical and personal care products by common vegetables under field conditions. They took a look at it and they said all, they tested and found, what is it, eight of common PPCPs, including caffeine and DEET, that was in the water, and that was also in the vegetables. In the the vegetables, roots were yeah. pulling it in, and it is the edible part of the plant. Mm -hmm. And you got to believe that that saying those chemicals are in us too. Yeah, I mean, our the bodies Latin. are made up of what is it, eighty percent water or some other? Yeah, huge and it number. stores. Yeah, it stores in us. So I mean, really, the 
the takeaway is if you're going to use gray, gray water, use it responsibly and don't, you know, take the time to really. I think even if you're not using gray water, we all probably really should be looking seriously at how we can reduce the chemical load on our water there systems. There you go. That's mm -hmm. even better said. Yeah. Yeah. It's time to make a change. Yeah. Wake up and smell the coffee. Folks. As much as I hate changing. Yeah. I think oh. you're right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, maturity. Herbalism 101. Candace and Sue answer your questions regarding herbs and herbalism. If you want the dirt on herbs, herbalism, or anything else related, you can send your question using our simple contact form at realherbalismradio.com slash herbalism101. We will do our best to answer your question on a future episode of Real Herbalism Radio. Sue, Candace, it's flu season, or coming up on flu season, or we're in flu season, but it's getting to the point where everyone's getting sick. And when you go to the store, you see lots of things on bottles that say expectorant and this and that. And I want to know, in herbs, there's two terms that I, I want to find out. Mm -hmm. um, what is an expectorant versus an antitussive? Okay. Yeah, you see that on over-the-counter medication a lot, too. And I don't think people really understand the difference. An antitussive is uh, something that stops the coughing. And an expectorant is something that actually pulls the phlegm and the fun gooey bits out of your lungs. So I thought that happened so, when that when you coughed. I mean, well, so. <laughs> not when always. you've got when you've got a lot of phlegm and that stuff stuck in your your lungs, and it's not sometimes it's coming up and sometimes it isn't. Sometimes it's coming up, but you still have more and more and more. That's when you use an expectorant. And when you've got that dry, itchy cough that's really throat. scratchy, irritated mm -hmm. throat. Sometimes it's caused from drainage, sometimes whatever else. Allergies. Allergies. Smokers, Smokers often use an antitussive. Yes. They just have a really dry, yeah. scratchy throat. So that's when you use your antitussives. Mm -hmm. So an example of an expectorant herb would be elecampane, osha, mm -hmm. um, whorehound, I think, mullen. Those would be all expectorant herbs, right? Right, Sue? Yeah, yeah. My big favorite, of course, is elecampane. Because oh, yeah. elecampane is one of those that can be used for just about every part of it, of a cough. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and it's a really, it's a easy to grow, easy to harvest. OSHA is a fantastic expectorant, but it is very, very difficult to grow. It's almost always wild crafted. I don't know yeah. anyone, I know people who are trying to grow it, they're trying to farm it. Right, but, but I think I it's endangered, Yes, it? it is. Yeah, so and it's on the herbs to be watched, or plants to be watched list. Right, so elecampane would be a better choice. Right. Or whorehound or mullen. I mean, mullen Easy grows yeah. all over the place yeah. so easily. And whorehound is very, it's a little shrubby garden herb. Right. Yeah, it's very easy to, and mullen, of course, you know, yeah. weed in our area. Yeah, everywhere. Yeah. yeah. Um, Antitussives, you're going to look at colt's foot, marshmallow, or honeys and syrups. Anything yes. that'll coat mm -hmm. your... Soothes. Yeah, they use the word soothes and relieves frequently. Yes. Yeah, that's why a cough drop is effective. Mostly it's just sugar. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, the honey. Yeah, yeah it's, it's all about that, the honey. Because sugar coats. Yes. You know, one of the reasons why yes. if you have a lot of phlegm and crud, you don't want to coat that throat already. You know, you've already got it coated with lots of fun, gooey stuff. So you right. you want the opposite to happen. And, and uh, you know, an, an antitussive is just stopping that irritating behavior right. so something licorice which is a good adaptogen um, then that's yeah. very sweet that would be good for someone that's got sugar problems if they have sugar glucose issues then licorice is a good option 
Or and that you, one's anti-tussive, And right? that one's anti-tussive, yeah. And it does have some um, uh, stomach calming. Yeah. Um, sometimes people are coughing so much that their stomach hurts. Yeah, in fact, I've used licorice and cherry bark together in cough syrups, mm -hmm. um, especially when it's, you know, you've got the upset stomach along with it yeah. to help ease the stomach from the drainage that's going down, especially when you wake up in the morning and the stomach feels crappy. Yeah. Because of all that drainage. I know. Yeah. Poor things. Yeah, but that's pretty much the difference. Okay, so if we just boil it down into one statement for, for what, what the exact difference is, what is it? I mean, specifically. Okay. Antitussive stops the coughing. That's for dry coughs. Okay? Mm -hmm. The expectorant is for the wet coughs, the productive coughs, and it's getting more stuff out. It's expectorating that moisture out of your lungs. Thank you for listening to Real Herbalism Radio. Your hosts have been Candace Hunter and Sue Sierra Lupe. To find more information and recipes from today's show or to leave a comment or suggestion, visit us online at realherbalismradio.com. If you're feeling social, you can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash thepracticalherbalist. Don't forget to look up our ebooks and herbal folios at amazon.com. Use the search terms Practical Herbalist. This show has been sponsored by Mountain Rose Herbs, purveyors of high-quality organic bulk herbs, gourmet spices, loose-leaf teas, essential oils, herbal extracts, and natural body care ingredients. You can visit them at mountainroseherbs.com. If you'd like to sponsor Real Herbalism Radio, just contact us through our website at realherbalismradio.com slash contact. Until next time, this is Patrick with Real Herbalism Radio and The Practical Herbalist. <laughs>